This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the family with special guest Steve Hunnix, Melissa Kirk, Andy Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal. Dougie, Dougie, Dougie. Now we're cooking with gas. We're you and I back. Used the same razor today. I know. Well, I did this part. I didn't do this part. Oh, you part. did the under yeah. part? I didn't do any of it. I got lazy. It's unbelievable. I got to meet with my lawyer after the show, so I decided not to dress up. You don't want to ever dress up to go see a lawyer, do you, Never. Steve? Never. Especially if they're French. I'm very poor. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good route to take. Steve Hunnings with us, ladies and gentlemen, in studio, the Jewish Community Relations Council on Minnesota and the Dakotas. We talked about this uh, last week on the show, and I'm glad Steve was able to come in because I... We'll be right back and we'll discover why anti-Semitism seems to be on the rise. It makes no sense. We'll find out right up to this with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We'll talk about it on a year. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. <clears throat> Melissa's leaving. She's going to get, get me some coffee. Well, she is. I didn't even know we were back. We are you, back. Was I ripping kind anybody? Of. What do you mean we're kind of back? We're going to do a Walzer commercial as soon as you say something. Oh, I try to keep forgetting you got to do a Wal. Ladies and gentlemen, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. We've been doing this for, what, seven years and still can't get it right? Well, there is that. And I, <laughs> I, I, I get distracted easily, is the problem. I know. Um,. News on the Tour de Cure. We've been trying to sign people up uh, for the ride, which is Saturday, June 1st from 9 to, we'll be back about 11.30. Andrew Walzer and his daughter just agreed to ride with us for the first time this year. And Andrew is, uh, he's type 2. So he'll be one of those, Michael Bryant will scream, go Red Rider at him for two and a half hours. (laughs) This should be just absolutely awesome. 
It's that a, should be good, actually. It's a worthy cause. Please join us if you can. Uh, you can email me at Doug at Walzer.com, and I'll get you all the details. You need to sign up probably within about the next 10 or 12 days because you can't wait till the last minute because you won't get a race packet and all that kind of stuff. So, And if you can't ride for some reason and just want to donate money, go to their website, diabetes.org. Look for Team KQ Walzer, and we've had some really generous donations from podcast listeners, yeah, morning absolutely. show listeners. And some uh, local competitive uh, car dealers, which I think is super. So June 1st, DougAtWalzer.com, make it happen. We shall make it happen, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be great. As a matter of fact, I got a call from the, the Tour to Cure people, and they said, because of the money you donated, you get uh, a cup, two articles of clothing. And I said, what does everybody else want? I said, they want the jerseys. And I said, I'll take the jackets. <laughs> Because you don't want to leave them, you know, if that's what they want, you don't want to take the, the jersey. Right. So what they're, what you, because you've raised over $1,000, Mike Bryant's done this every year as well, right. Brad, Sean Bryant. Um, you'll get to invited to the champions dinner, which is the night before the ride and Friday night. So it won't be happening. I know, I, but I'm just letting you know, so you can <laughs> prepare a noteworthy excuse. I'm sorry, Friday nights is when I work with the orphans. Yes, that that's exactly right. Dandy over there playing video games. Something's feeding back or something. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. And we don't have bumper music. Yeah, Cassie is uh, off and running. She's Where did she go? She went to California? Uh, yes. I think. Yeah, she's there. Uh, her husband has a new uh, effort. I, I don't even think I can say at this point what it is, but he's involved in this national effort. Uh, pornography, isn't it? No, I'm hoping not because... Just even picturing darkness, Dave, naked is too much for That's me. why they call him darkness. <laughs> That's why they call him darkness, Dave. You could do that, but do it in darkness. Yeah, that's probably it. Steve Hunting's with us, ladies and gentlemen. Steve came on the, the morning show because I did ask the question on the air. I don't really understand the rise in anti-Semitism. I do know that as a child, and Steve and uh, you know Doug and Andy and I were just talking about the fact that you still hear people say things that for some reason they think that it's okay. Uh, Minnesota, well, Minneapolis was the most anti-Semitic city in the world after Berlin fell, and people don't know that. But um, I was hoping we made made some progress with not, you know, maybe being anti-Semitic, but I, apparently I've fooled myself. Is that right? You know me, Tom, after having been on your show, and thanks for the opportunity oh, no to come Great on the podcast. You. I'm an eternal optimist, so we always start from that perspective. That's a good. That's yeah, good. that's good. And positively speaking, you talk about Minneapolis, the distance this community has come for oh, the yeah. most part yeah. since the time you talk about 1945 and before. The city was, in many ways, deeply segregated before, and it wasn't just mm-hmm. Jews, African Americans, Japanese Americans, and the like, and there were places for all groups where they couldn't live, where they couldn't eat, where they couldn't work, just mm-hmm. like perhaps a city in the South. When Humphrey was elected mayor in 45, he decided what was wrong, but two was retarding the economic development of the city. So he set about to address it, and he actually convened a committee of experts and labor and unions and Jews and Gentiles and Catholics and Protestants and people from all walks of life. Thanks for not throwing me in with Gentiles. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) And what did they discover, indeed, that... The city was deeply segregated, and Minneapolis in 47 passed amongst the first open housing and anti-job discrimination ordinances applying to the city of Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. You know, Humphrey's elected the Senate in 48, and ultimately becomes one of the architects of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. 
But what he learned in Minneapolis, he brought to the Senate. So you can see the struggles that we were all engaged in back in that time ultimately, ultimately bore fruit nationally with the civil rights right. legislation. So I'm talking about that in a positive vein. Another marker was the discrimination against Jews was so profound in Minneapolis they could not belong to the AAA because the AAA maintained right. Right. a country club where there was a kitchen and a restaurant. And so they figured that people did not want to mix with Jews, therefore they could not join the AAA. So that's about 1945, 1946. In 1973, a family friend, Jerry Ugand, who was at First Bank, was elected, appointed, Commodore of the Aquitennial. He's Jewish. Mm-hmm. So you go from 45, and of course that's the great civic celebration of Minneapolis. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to have a Jew as the head Commodore marked this huge change. So what's that, about 28 years? So it took about a generation mm-hmm. for things to change significantly. But you also correctly point out that we're seeing, and let's not use the word anti-Semitism, we can use it. Okay. Let's just call it Jew hatred. Okay? Yes, Jew hatred. Let's just, let's, let's just get, not say that too loud. It was too loud. Right, right. <laughs> it was a little too loud. Because especially the violent aspects of it. Anti-Semitism yeah, yeah. Is, is almost an antiseptic way of describing it. Well, I think most people don't realize that there are some Arabs who are Semites. Well, there, there's a whole all sorts of issues with Semitism, right. and that's, that's a that's phrase from saying. the 19th yeah. century that right. arose. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And people don't know that, though. I don't think they do know that. That was actually a phrase invented by an anti-Semite. Anti-Semitism. <laughs> so, okay. so there, there you have it. It tells us why we should probably nice be careful touch. of the phrase, but of course, it's at this point deeply embedded in our consciousness. But you know, on one hand, like I said on the show last week. Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota. I'm all over the three states. We travel. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of programming. 225,000 square miles of paradise. That's what I call it. Between the, <laughs> between the, you are an optimist. Yeah, yeah, between the, between the three states. I've got a job for you, actually. That's very funny. More often, my work, our work, is this, is characterized by philo-Semitism. That is, people liking Jews, people wanting to work with us, people respecting mm-hmm. Jews, and vice versa. It's all reciprocal. At the same time, you can't deny... There are some awful things happening in the world. Just in our country, FBI statistics show that hate crimes based on religion against Jews are up about 38% year over year, 2017 to 2016. In the past year, violent, now we're talking violent, aggressive acts towards Jews up 13%. Really? Now, you can bookend Pittsburgh, Eitzchayim, murders, October, Pome. Attack, yeah. Chabad, San Diego, uh, a couple weeks ago, and remember what we also talked about. It's just not against Jews and attacking houses of worship. No. It's Muslims in Christchurch, New Zealand. It's African Americans at the AME yeah. Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. Easter Sunday attacks on Catholic Church in Sri Lanka. Right there is a level of depravity in the world that we're seeing that's almost. Unbelievable when you're attacking people at prayer. People are going for consolation. People exactly. are going for counseling, pastoral services, and now you can't feel safe in your house of worship. Do you think, Steve, that it was a big mistake by by former President Obama? You still call him president when they're not president anymore. You sure call him president. Yeah, I think right? you're president for life. When President Obama and Hillary Clinton came out and said that they attacked Easter worshipers, they wouldn't use the word Christian. What is that? I don't I, get it. I don't know what. I guess I missed that oh, did point. You really? Yeah, I missed that point that they called them. No, they did. Easter worshipers. Easter worshipers. And then that's, one would hope, given the circumstances, I'm not making a political statement here. By no, the no, way. no, we're not. No, I no, just no, was what they that, said, you know. You would 
express it as Christians. Call it what it is. Yeah, that's people, all I'm saying. People, Jews, people, people, people what, what Christians. seemed odd to me about that, if if either one of the two had used that phrase, they would have gone, yeah, okay, it's just a dip. But the fact that they both used it, oh, it was such like an odd a, comment. Yeah, it was like 20 means people. means that they would have had to have had some communication had plan, going yeah, weird on thing, purpose. Yeah. Let's not label them as Christians. Well, it just, it, I don't get it. I well, don't understand why. Did you ever see the show Trial and Error? I haven't. Very, very funny TV. No, no, no. It's a very, very funny show. But in the first episode, for the first season of it, they're Southerners because it's in East Peck, South Carolina. Is that where it is? Yeah, it's a, it's some it's young Carolina. kid. He was a uh, who's Jewish, and I think he's from New York. That yeah. gets sent down to. It, it's kind of a modern uh, Marissa Tomei uh, yeah. version. Anyway, tell us. It was phenomenal. So, so he walks in, and, and the guy said. Uh, Guys, look at him. He goes, um, "Are you a uh, a northeasterner?" And he puts his, he puts like his fingers up to make a big nose. And they refer to Jews as northeasterners. <laughs> it's like what? Okay, whatever. You know, I will tell you this. In uh, twenty two years after you're talking about, nineteen sixty seven, I was dating this this young girl in South uh, Minneapolis. And I went to pick her up. I'm 16. I went to pick her up. He was going to go to a movie or something on a Saturday afternoon. I went to pick her up, and her father answered the door. And he goes, uh, hi, Tom. I understand you're Catholic. You're Roman Catholic. And I said, yeah, I am. He goes, we're Missouri Synod Lutheran. And shut the door in my face. I will never forget that as long as I live. It's like, whoa, that's a little out there. Oh, you... <clears throat> And we're talking. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> oh, I'll never forget that as long as they live. Listen, it's not as though anti-Semitism. Oops, there I'm using the word. No, Anti- no. anti-Semitism. Real Jew hating. Yeah. Or discrimination, prejudice, has only impacted Jews on a religious basis. Every yeah. group has suffered. Every group, Every group has, has suffered. True. You talk about being Catholic, and did you go to Ascension Parish? No, we went to St. Joseph's, which was uh, right on uh, 11th and 4th Street, just a block a block south of Plymouth Avenue and 4th Street. It's where I-94 crosses over okay. Plymouth Avenue. It was where the church and the school used to be. And then I went to St. Anne's up on 26th and Queen. Michael O'Connell, former priest, now Michael O'Connell. Yeah, Lovely I, man. You know, yep, he's so yep. strongly associated with Ascension. What a great friend of the Jewish community over yeah, the years. Yeah, absolutely. My... Uh, you know, my dad grew up in the neighborhood. We were talking about mm-hmm. graduate in 1949. Yep. So a lot of the kids, a lot of Catholic kids, a lot of Catholic kids from Ascension, and he always says that their baseball games, their summer baseball games, when they're sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, always ended up in fights, right? The Jewish kids and the Catholic kids. <laughs> but well, he said yeah. by, the time, by the time they went to high school, they all became friends when they were all at North because together. Their brains developed. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's part of it, yeah. But you talk about, let's talk about the Catholics for a second because... One of the great success stories in interfaith relations, particularly amongst Jews and Catholics in North America, mm-hmm. has been the positive relationships that have developed. In 1965, the Vatican issued a proclamation called the Nostra Aetate, which is Latin for in our time, mm-hmm. that said, now this is in the aftermath of World War II, it's in the aftermath of the Holocaust, it's in the aftermath of Vatican II, in the Reformation of the Church. But the Ostra Tate said three things. One, anti-Semitism is a sin against God. Two, the idea that Jews are collectively responsible for the death of Jesus, deicide, is wrong. And three, that the Jewish covenantal relationship with God remains intact, even though the Christians have their belief in the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was a huge development. 
because what it did is what it did is it recognized Judaism and Christianity via Catholic Church as essentially an equal footing. Plus, said anti-Semitism is just out of bounds completely. You look now, fifty years later, and this is something we celebrated all over our territory and the relations between Jews and Catholics, and hopefully most Christians, is tremendously positive. We're talking about mm-hmm. some yep. of the difficult things that we see, but it's really important to keep in mind the progress that's been made, and you see the various journeys of the popes to Israel. They go to the Western Wall, they go to Yad Vashem, they meet right. the Prime Minister, these huge photo opportunities, these powerful moments of the head of the Catholic Church and Judaism and Israel, <coughs> and it's all forced for good. So you're Catholic, you were raised Catholic, right. you, you went to the school and the church and Northeast, North Minneapolis, take great, you should take great pride. We should all take great pride in the progress that's been made over the years. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. So that. I just want us to all keep that in mind, too. What I don't really understand is Jesus was a Jew, so how can you hate all Jews if Jesus was a Jew? It makes no sense. Oh, well, that's a, a profound question. A part of it arose from the fact that the Jews of the time were accused of calling for the execution of Jesus, so that became a convenient way to scapegoat Jews. And I have to keep in mind, there are all sorts of uh, politics in the church, mm-hmm. and the church did yeah. not want to necessarily offend the Romans, so because oh, they were the yeah. power of the time. Right. So let's blame this on the Jews, right? And it's all part of the evolution of Judaism and Christianity in the first century and beyond, and the separation of the two religions, too. So not only was this false historical narrative circulating, but there was a reason for it, too. You know, mm-hmm. People far more learned than me can talk about this at greater length, but that was some of the motivation in ancient times for the division between Judaism and Christianity. Yeah, I, I, this whole... And basically, there's a, the, first of all, there's no proof that any of that stuff ever happened, to tell you the truth, that, that anybody killed Jesus. I mean, there's no actual proof that it happened. Well, I'm not in here to undermine no, the no, foundational no. stories of Christianity. I'm, right? I'm just saying. I, but everybody's in, everyone should believe their see, story. Their see, story. here's what I'm saying, yeah. Steve. As he delicately skates yeah. out some very thin ice. <laughs> no, I, but, but what I'm saying is my mother was an ardent Roman Catholic. She just loved being Roman Catholic. Sure. We never had any of that in my house, the, the, the hating Jews or any of that. It just didn't happen. Uh, maybe that was because of where I grew up or whatever. Or just, the, you know, we all were kind of shoved over there and what I love is North Minneapolis from the river to the city border on you know Theodore Worth Parkway <laughs> they surrounded it with the freeway so he couldn't get out <laughs> it's hilarious it's like hey, yeah the whole thing is surrounded by the by the uh, by the freeway well you put your figure actually had something tragic <clears throat> or more than tragic uh, ugly the way the freeway freeway was used in 94 it practically eliminated the Great Rondo neighborhood. Yeah, right? Oh, it absolutely. Yeah. It was, which absolutely. was a real, one would say, Paul, yeah. at the risk of overspeaking, a crime against the culture, against no African American culture. Yeah. And, you know, who can't go back in that time? Maybe you could. I'm not sure that there's any evidence that was deliberately done to impair African American culture, but people had to realize it was going to have that impact, right? To go yeah, through oh, the yeah, neighborhood. Yeah. It's an historic neighborhood, right? My dear friend, Father Eric Rutten, is the pastor for St. Peter Claver, which is a traditional African-American Catholic mm-hmm. congregation in St. Paul, which is at the edge of the traditional Rondo neighborhood right. on, 90, on, 90, on 94. And they still live with the pain of that dislocation. Oh, yeah, they do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not one to 
dwell on the unfortunate incidents of the past, other than that we need to learn from them, first of all, but also mm -hmm. understand that we collectively did things to other communities. Let's just take, for example, Rondo, which, to say the least, were n not respectful of African-American culture or tradition, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. we have to recognize it in 2019. You know, what I want to talk about, because you have to take a break here in about 20 seconds, but I want to talk about the fact that now, for some reason, people on the far edges, the far right and the far left, um, they're not exactly, the far left is not exactly supporting Jews in America right now. And I don't understand that at all. Uh, the things that people say and people do, I, I just... I don't know why they're trying to hurt people. If you're supposed to be so religious on the right or, or so liberal and forgiving on the left, why do you harm people on a daily basis? I don't get it. Steve Hunnings, our special guest, will be right back in just a couple of minutes with Steve. It's Tom Bernard with CEO Michael Bilski from North American Banking Company. Michael, we spent some time talking about your free app and money transfer service, XCheck, which is just great, by the way. You can transfer money to your kid to travel home from college and lots of other uses. I got wind of another service you provide at North American Banking Company. What's this Super ID I've been hearing about? Great question, Tommy. Super ID uses your face proof and your finger proof to keep your identity and your money secure. It's really a foolproof way to protect your family and your business from identity fraud. It's simple, fast, and oh, the best part is that it's free to our customers. Super ID, super easy, and super secure. Visit nabanco.com or see my personal banker to get the scoop on XCheck and Super ID. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Tom here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Spring is here and there's no better time to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK Spring Savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today. Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them I sent you and save 500 bucks on your LASIK. Offer expires June 21st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers. I'm the bumper music. I'm the bumper. What do you think? <laughs> Cassie is. Uh, Cassie's on tour. She's gone. Gone up to see her husband, Darkness Dave. He's. Uh, let me just say this. He's filming something in Los Angeles, and that's where she is. Uh, I can't tell you yet what it is, but it'll be pretty damn cool. He's going to be a, a star of this thing. One of the stars in the thing. It's going to be really, really nice. Steve Hunnings in studio. We're talking about. Um, Basically about what it means to be alive these days. We just kind of briefly off the show. We're talking about 1967, 1968. Uh, 1967, they started burning my neighborhood to the ground. It was so weird to look out, because I was 15, 16 at the time, to look out at all of that and, and see the entire avenue on fire. I mean, it was weird to watch that happen. Now, here's the interesting thing about that, because you see it on social media all the time. It's like we've never been 
more divided than we are now. It's like, oh, uh, well, let's see. There was 1968. There was the Civil War. Yeah, a couple little things. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the fear that I have. This reminds me, right now reminds me a lot of the 60s. It really does, because we started dividing and dividing and dividing. You know what? what I think about this a lot, but what seems to me to be different is that that was more of a separate... There was a racial component, too, but it was yeah, more of was, a separation yeah. of age, right? There was so yeah, many I think so. baby boomers yeah, that were so. just becoming politically aware and active and protesting the war and all that sort of stuff that it was real. And now it's it doesn't seem to be as age-related. It's more... Left-right political spectrum. Yeah, it is because they're they're yeah they're so. F- There's a great divide there, which I don't really understand. I, I I just I think, I tend to be a centrist and maybe even a little left of center, just a little. I, I just kind of look at the whole thing, and yet you know, publications like the Star Tribune love to claim that I'm a racist and a sexist and a homophobe and all. Why do they like to do damage when they know it's not true? They know that I'm none of those things. Why do they do that? I don't get it. I do. You know what their what business model is, right? They're trying to sell advertising. Well, what do they need to sell advertising is people to read the paper. Well, I, so so good. They throw my entire family under the bus. Andy had to grow up with that, with, with his father being called those names. Mm-hmm. That probably wasn't all that comfortable, Andy, I wouldn't think. So how do they not consider, well, you know, this guy, uh, first of all, first public figure to advocate for gay marriage many decades before. I, it was like 25, maybe even 30 years ago now. Advocated for same-sex marriage. The only one in America would do it, but now somehow I'm, an, I'm a homophobe. I don't, where do I, why do they want to go out of their way to harm people? I guess that's why, Steve, you're here. Why do people want to go out of their way? Because I don't see anything that's really happened with the Jewish community in the past couple of years for them to all of a sudden come up with this, uh, especially... I don't know about Ilan Omar. I don't know much about her, but boy, she likes to kind of, in some ways veiled and other ways not so veiled, go after Jews. She loves doing that. I don't get it. What is that? Take a step back. I'm sorry to hear about your, I think I've read about them, your issues with the Star Tribune. I think I've read about them. Yes, you have. Exactly. Uh, you know, from our perspective, the newspaper's have been very good to us over the years, and I have a lot yeah, of commentary have. pieces, they, and they're very supportive, and yep, many of the editors and writers cover our stories, and they're very highly professional. Up until and, now. And the like, all I can say is, for whenever I have friends on one side and people who you know aren't happy with something that somebody I know... I mean, I'm always happy to talk to somebody or say, yeah, you know, yeah. I've been on Tom Bernard's show. He seems like a great guy. And he, I'm, I'm always trying to be helpful in an intermediary. It's a good thing. You know, we always adopt our own version of the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. So if you can help mm. them, sort of the opposite. If you can help somebody, help a relationship, we're happy to do it. That so works. just that So uh, you're right. And uh, trying to stay away from personalities today. Let's just talk about sort of. Facts on the ground. First yeah, of that's all, good. Yes, first facts of all, are good. Facts are good. Facts yeah. are good. Yes, yep. it's no mystery that we've had our issues with Representative Omar. You can go online. You can see all my different press pieces yeah. associated yep. with that yep. issue tonight. By the way, Temple Israel at uh, six thirty or seven o'clock. ADL, JCRC, two mosques. Uh, Temple Israel, Rabbi Zimmerman, Andy Luger from Jones Day Law Firm, former U.S. Attorney. We are having a program which is all about strengthening the relationships between Somalis and Jews. Okay, the Somali American yeah, wow. community, Jewish yeah. American community in the Twin Cities. We want to move on. We want to move on and demonstrate that there are long-standing, important, strong relationships between Jews and Somalis. Again, back to my thesis statement: Let's try to be positive in life. Okay. Yeah. On no, the other I, hand, I like let's it. let's recognize some serious issues. And, and Doug and uh, 
Tom, you've put your finger on it, in the sense that a place where the extreme left and the extreme right meet is in their hatred of Jews. There's no question about it. Yeah, On the left true. side, yeah, it true. tends to take the form of hyper-criticism, well beyond criticism, actually hatred yeah. of the state of Israel. Okay, so much so that the language, that the tactics go overboard, well overboard, and are anti-Semitic just because of the depth of the disdain, the depth of the ignorance, and the depth of what it is that's expressed. On the right, what do you have? The traditional conspiracy theories about Jews, Jews control right, banks, right. Jews control <laughs> this, and these attackers. Where, where is the deep state? I've been looking all <laughs> over for it, and I can't <laughs> find it anywhere. They don't have a forwarding address. Yeah. The, the murderer in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He was inspired right. by what he read online. Again, a whole different discussion of the dangers presented by social media. Oh, God, yes. We can oh, have a long discussion oh, yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. But he attacked this shul, the synagogue, Eitz Chaim, in Pittsburgh, because he understood it, actually, that they supported the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, mm-hmm. and the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society helps immigrants that come in the United States, right? So he sort of put, in his own sick way, put this all together, ha, it's part of the Jewish conspiracy to bring immigrants in the United States to overwhelm the white majority, you know, in, in that white supremacist mm-hmm. mode, right? So they want to attack and kill Jews from the right for the reasons that we identified. On the left, we have these people that are so profoundly haters of Israel that they express themselves in the most obscene ways. So where do they come together? Hating Jews. You know, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the rabbi emeritus of the chief rabbi emeritus of the United Kingdom, a brilliant writer, prolific guy. He says, and this is a good shorthand way to sort of encapsulate the history of anti-Semitism, Jews have been hated over the years, first for their religion, then their race, you know, during the times of the bogus mm-hmm. race theories, yeah. and now their state, Israel, yeah, right, which is a pretty, right. good, pretty good way of looking at things. Of course, mm-hmm. there's some combinations of those pieces, but it's a good shorthand way to keep things in mind. And by the way, and this is my gift to you, Speaking about Israel today, Yom Ha'atzmaut, Israel's 71st anniversary, a wonderful day mm-hmm. of joy. I'm giving you this video documentary called Above and Beyond. It's a story, Nancy Spielberg, Steven Spielberg's sister and a respected mm-hmm. documentarian in her own way. 101 Squadron is Israel's first squadron, made up of primarily foreign volunteers who came for the War of Independence in 1948. Israel, of course, had no Israel's created out of scratch. Mm-hmm. And, right, right. and they couldn't develop their own army during the British mandate and had to li- literally put together an army very quickly from an underground force they had called the Haganah, but they also needed an air arm. But there were no other than no trained, except for a few in World War II, pilots. So they had to go abroad. And one of the people that went abroad was this gentleman named Leon Frankel from St. Paul. Maybe you've heard yeah. the name before. Leon was a highly decorated World War II naval aviator flew off the Yorktown and the Lexington and won Navy Cross and two Distinguished Flying Crosses. And Just over and over again because I've Oh, well, mm. oh Andy's playing other episodes. So there you go, there you go. And he, uh, in fact, here he is in his uh, TBM Avenger. He put a torpedo in the Ahagi, which was an escort ship for the Yamoto, which was this huge mm-hmm. Japanese super ba- battleship that was attempting to destroy the American fleet at Okinawa. And that was one of the distinguished flying crosses he won. He was one of the last people actually to help sink a ship with a torpedo at the end of really? World War II. Yeah. But more to the point, he ends up flying in Squadron 101 
because he was asked by sort of a mysterious figure if he would go. A mysterious figure? figure. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> by doing this, you put your citizenship at risk. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. Government, country was very, the government was very serious about people fighting for foreign powers. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Leon was Jewish, felt very close to it. And he first ended up in Czechoslovakia where they learned to fly, get this, Czech-built Messerschmitts. So the first planes oh, of the wow. Israel Air Force were German planes. That's all they could get. And he learned to fly, and they brought them over to Israel after the birth of the state. And he flew 25 more missions in Israel and helped stop the Egyptian advance on Tel Aviv. So this tells the story of the 101, and I gifted to Thank you. you. It's a fabulous uh, documentary. Leon, because he had a wry sense of humor, is often, there's a lot of interview with him. And at one point he says, this is sort of captures Leon, he says, I hear I found myself in a German airplane with a German flying suit learning to fly with German instructions. And I said to myself, what's a nice Jewish boy from St. Paul doing in a place like this? <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But on honor of Israel's Independence Day in 71 years, I give this documentary to you. Well, I'll tell you, that now the, I know I have another Frankel like it, and my Victor Frankel is unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Great psychoanalysts of all time. Of all time. Yeah. And I, do people know Victor Frankel? Not so much anymore. No, they don't. Anymore. I mean, if you talk to, I mean, he had very incisive studies about totalitarianism and mm-hmm. in the situations in which he lived. So it's kind of bringing it together because I think Victor Franco was a Holocaust survivor. He was, absolutely. When he went back, at some point, uh, Leon finally said, enough is enough. You know, I survived World War II and I've survived yeah, the, right. the Israel's War of Independence. It was time to go home. And he's leaving, and he's in Haifa, the port city, and he sees survivors of the Holocaust who are now able to immigrate to Israel because there's no more restrictions in immigration mm-hmm. and they're getting off the boat and they're kissing the ground and he says to himself and it's in the movie he says I knew then and there why it is that I had come yeah and it's those stories are so amazing to me you were right about Victor Frankl by the way he was uh, a Holocaust survivor he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. If you've never read it, you should definitely read it. It's one of the greatest books ever written, talking about that very thing. And he basically would talk to a little bird that he felt was the soul of his wife who was executed in the Holocaust. And the little bird basically told him, don't hate these Nazis, love them. You just love them, and then you'll... you Because otherwise you're going to just come apart at the seams. You're going to end up dead. So just... Show love to every every living person, every living thing, because, you know, you're going to put the onus on them to go, well, maybe, God, this guy's a good guy. He's a really good guy. It's really good. It's one of the best books I've ever read in my entire life. Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl. There's no E in it, though. What yeah, else no. is on the, I didn't finish 10th grade, but I've read all these fabulous book lists. I'm just curious. <laughs> you just well, never cease to amaze me. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. It's I learned a lot, though. But, I mean, look, I've known a bunch of bunch of really great people in my life that inspired me and and it just uh that's why i love sitting down and i'm steve i'm so glad you came in today to to be on the show because i would like all people to understand first of all let me let me go at it this way where i grew up i was very very lucky because i grew up again with catholics not a whole lot of protestants but a lot of catholics black people and jews we loved meeting people who weren't like us Instead of going, oh, they're not like me, I don't like them. We were like, no, man, they're, they're different than me. What can I, you know, how can I learn something from this? What's this all about? You know, your faith, your skin color, your what, you know, whatever it is, right? Uh, we enjoyed that. We didn't, 
go, I don't want anything to do with them. And I never had anybody do that to me either, by the way. Nobody in the, in the neighborhood ever said to me, you know, because I went, I went to Jewish homes, I went to black homes, a lot of Catholic homes, all the rest of it. Always treated very well by everybody. So my experience as a little boy was a good one. I was like, eh, everybody's nice, you know. I, do people just kind of isolate themselves in their own neighborhoods and just stay there and they don't ever meet anybody that's different from them? I think they stay in their houses now. I think that they're probably just thinking that. That's probably said, true. Yeah. You know, so yeah. In your well, day, yeah, exactly. the houses were twelve hundred square feet, and there's yeah. no internet, yep. and you got five or six brothers and sisters. If you're not, if you don't go outside, you're going to go crazy. Right? Yeah. And then today, and I'm guilty of it too. I don't know my neighbors four houses away. No, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, it, it is a bizarre situation in that. The people don't want to talk. Like even when you're walking down the street, I walk down the street and people like you know if I'm Melissa, I, I, so I'm, I'm the guy walking down the street. They stare at me until they get right up to me and I go hello, and then they look away. They will not continue to make eye contact and they will not respond. It, and I think it's because they're frightened. They don't know who I am. That's not the issue. It's just they don't want to talk to people. You're not wearing your FBI hat on the West Bank again, are you? Because <laughs> that might be part of the problem. All right, so once in a while, when, <laughs> when things get weird, I have, a, I have a concealed carry permit. I don't carry a gun usually, but once in a while, I have to, right? So I'm walking along, and there's a, a guy that looks like a Spanish man. I don't know, you know where he's from, but he's really nervous. I'm like from, again, Melissa to me. And he's just, he's backing up and he's kind of avoiding eye contact and he just he won't look at me. I'm going, what are that's all about? And I look down and you could actually see the pistol, the outline of the pistol. See, that could be a But here's what's problem. even worse. I get in and I go into the men's room, I look at my hat and it says US Border Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> the US Border Patrol had given me a hat and I was wearing that and it had a gun. Some of these so issues like, may not be as complicated <laughs> not as you exactly. think. <laughs> Maybe not. And I was like, Tom, come on, man. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. Steve Hunting's in studio. We're going to learn even more about what it means to be a human being because that's kind of all that matters, right? We'll be right back with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. 
This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. I keep I keep forgetting we don't have bumper music because Cassie is on the, she's on tour with Darkness Dave, her husband, so then she plays the bumper music and all that good stuff. Steve Hunting's in studio with us uh, today. We're talking about why people see things the way they see them. And I talked to, uh, talked to Steve about the fact that in my neighborhood, meeting people who maybe weren't like you was, was exciting and it was fun. It wasn't like, oh, you're not like me. I don't like you. We didn't have that fear. I still, to this day, and people think I'm mentally ill because I don't have fear. I just am not afraid of anyone or anything. You know, I have the fear that, you know, I want my loved ones to be safe. And, I, you know, uh, that, that if there is any fear there, that's what it is. But to be afraid of another human being just doesn't happen for me. It just hasn't since I was a little kid, to tell you the truth, right? But I do remember being at St. Joseph's, and, and we'd be down there, and we start school in September, and then six weeks into it, a guy named Joe Greenstein, who had a show called, uh, show, had a store called the, the Biggest Little Store in the World on Plymouth Avenue and Forest Street, and he would go around to every school, public schools, the Jewish schools, the Catholic schools, all of them, and give every kid in North Minneapolis a pumpkin. And he literally became known as Pumpkin Joe Greenstein. And we all knew that he was a nice Jewish man. He ended up being the uh, Northside Alderman. But, uh, and he would come and say hello to everybody. It wasn't just like, here, here's a bunch of pumpkins. He wanted to come and spend time with you and meet you and shake your hand and go, hey, you know, you're a good kid, don't worry about it. It was a very poor neighborhood, a very poor. Uh, so I didn't, ha- I didn't have these experiences where, uh, you know, my mother and father didn't sit around and go, well, oh, you shouldn't hang around with those, those gypsies or, you know, didn't have any of that. Matter of fact, I married a gypsy. Andy's part gypsy. Mm-hmm. She's bohemian. <laughs> so in any case, I, I grew up, I was very, very fortunate. Yeah, we're poor as hell. There's no doubt about that. But in a societal, in a societal way, it was, I was very, very fortunate growing up with all these different kinds of people. Because I never got the impression, well, we're, you're, we're, you're not like me. Uh, why? I mean, I guess the United States doesn't have borders other than state borders. It really don't matter. You don't have to have a passport to get into another state or anything like that. So maybe it's just the, the wide open United States is like, hey, we're all American and God bless you. But some people don't see it that way. I mean, I still go down. Good example of what I'm talking about. 20 years ago, we started spending time down, down in West Palm Beach in Florida, and I'm going to play in this golf tournament, and the guy comes up and says, uh, we put everybody with, you know, somebody they have a lot in common with. Oh, there's somebody here. Somebody's coming in to stir that. Is that Adrian? Probably. Is that Adrian? Here he comes. Okay, no more talking about black people. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Cat's out of the bag. He grew up, there's a guy who grew up in Mississippi. Did you grow up in Mississippi? Till I was 10. Till you were 10? Well, that's pretty much it. back when I was 17. Have a seat, man. It would be great to have you on the show. I think, is that, is that uh, the, the you can You can use those, and then we can hook you up here. We'll get you all connected up. Adrian Washington's in here. First time I've ever met him in person. I'm very, very happy to meet you, man. Adrian's a good guy. Well, I shouldn't say it right in front of you, though. You're a good guy you are. Well, while he's getting set up, we have a caller. We do? Okay, who's the caller? I don't know. Hello, caller. That's what I was going to say. Or not. All right, we don't. Hello. Oh, there you go. Hello. 
Oh shit! Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> nobody Live said radio. nobody said my name, so I didn't know it was supposed to be me. No, I, we didn't. I was know. zoning out a little bit. The phones don't really uh, work right. Yeah, we don't have it. We just moved studios last week or this week actually. So uh, this is only our fourth show in the studio. So they're putting the phone lines in as we speak. Mm-hmm. So what is he on? Like a Skype line or something? Something like that. Something like that. So what is your first name, sir? Oh, I'm Sam, uh, and I'm Sam from St. Paul. I actually know Steve Hunnig. Uh, my Don't grandpa tell people was that. president That's a bad of the idea. Jewish Community Relations Council in the 80s and worked with Steve. I don't know if Steve's still on the air right now. Yeah. I'm here, yeah. yeah. Hi, Sam. So, so Steve, uh, nice to hear you talking again. So, um, anyways, I was calling kind of to talk a little bit about the anti-Semitism, but also just point out a couple things that I heard on the morning show today on KQ, but also here, mm-hmm. we're talking about anti-Semitism, and I agree that it exists both on the far left and on the far right. Mm-hmm. But I think an important distinction to make is that a lot of the far left anti-Semitism is rooted in, as Steve said, really vitriolic criticism of Israel, right? And specifically yes. policies yes. towards Israel. Yep. Conversely, the anti-Semitism on the alt-right that we're talking about, you know, like the crazy conspiracy theorists, yeah. they actually kill people, right? The Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh yeah. Tree of Life synagogue shooter, which actually my uncle is head rabbi at Temple Sinai Synagogue in Pittsburgh, which is oh, a mile away from yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He was listening to these conspiracy theories about George Soros, you know, manipulating the world. Uh, elders of Zion stuff, essentially. And I think... While it's fair to criticize the anti-Semitism on both sides, you have to, like, I don't want to relate everything back to President Trump, but a shocking number of alt-right people are willing to resort to violence when I just don't think that's still present on the left. No, I think you're right about that, Sam. The only problem I have with the left is they have no problem destroying your life, though. They don't kill you, but they do destroy your life and your family. The, the, the far left is, is really well known for it. We just will go after you, and if it hurts your family, too bad. That's the part I don't like. And you're so. talking about reputationally and like in the media and by and and you know what I'm not saying anything no, about no, I you understand. specifically no, I understand. Um, anything like that and I do I do think that some of it has become crazy and it too has. much. Yep. But just for instance, like earlier on your show today and on KQ, Pete Hegseth and you both referred to Elizabeth Warren as Pocahontas. No, I, I heard didn't. that. Like, no, I, you didn't, not. but he did. I heard that. I'm I like, didn't. What's what, wrong no, with wait you? Wait a minute, Sam. Why did you say I said that? Um, earlier today, you you were just saying what he said on the show like forty minutes, thirty or forty minutes ago. No, I okay, wasn't. But even say even if I, even if I misheard it, let's just say Pete said it. Oh, okay. Okay. Whether or not you want to say that's racist, it's certainly racially insensitive. Tribes around the yeah, country said that's derogatory. They I don't agree. want to use it, and. It's not even addressed or it's not even it's just he casually throws it out there. And I think that's an example where, you know, maybe not get crazy and totally up in arms about it. But that's no, some of the pervasive casual stuff that exists that people on the left feel like isn't addressed. When did he when did he say that? Because I, I, I am not lying to you here, Sam. I don't remember him saying that. Uh, when did he say it? Because I don't remember him saying that. Um, so he was on for he was on for about 40 minutes. And I think it was yeah, almost an he hour was talking yeah. about authentic, authenticity of far left candidates like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth oh, yeah, yep, Warren. Yep. I remember that part. Yeah. OK. And and he said Pocahontas. But so then just on top of that, right, like I'm not going to start railing on Fox News because I could do that all day long. But your listeners probably don't want to listen about that. 
No, that's fine. Why? That's fine. Because, uh, you know. Pete Hegseth, right, um, uh-huh. who I think is a smart guy. Yeah, he's a very smart educated, guy. Yeah. Very good-looking guy. <laughs> um, that's true, Sam. I, I took some notes, right? He talks about illegal immigrants spend, or, uh, getting all this welfare that we have to pay for somehow. That's a lie. Illegal immigrants aren't eligible for federal lawfare. There's E-Verify to check fake Social Security numbers. Right? Like, I'm in an immigration law class right now. I'm learning okay. about this. Yeah. And we okay. can have the whole, like, uh, educational indoctrination conversation another time. But that's an untruth that scares people. Yeah, I understand that. Right? Sam, and I think they're playing into that. Or that, okay, let's talk about... And, and I'll, I know I'm talking a lot, so I'll get your opinion in here because now it feels like I'm hosting the show. Uh, <laughs> hey, it works for me, man. I don't have to work. Let's mention the sponsors. <laughs> mention so, the okay, sponsors. let's talk about poor people going to college, right? Or yes. with the free college. Yes, right. Which, personally, I support, I support free junior college. Yeah, okay. Or community college. Yep. Which I think is a really kind of good intermediate step that wouldn't cost as, as much. Mm-hmm. Right. But... That would be paid for in Elizabeth Warren's plan and Bernie Sanders' plan by the top 1% of earners, right? It'd be a wealth tax. So I also think it's unfair to say that poor people are going to be paying for that in their taxes. Well, based on these plans, they're really that feels like a generalization, and they're really not going to be paying more. It's going to be covered you know, by the millionaires and billionaires. Uh, I don't know if they're ever going to be able to make that happen, but if he did, you know, I, to tell you the truth, if that were true, Sam, I would have no problem with that whatsoever if that was indeed true, but that's how it, it never works out that way. It always works out that, it, that everybody right. pays. The, the other thing that I heard him say that I, I, I wished I'd been in the room was he said, you know, that free college stuff never works. Well, what about the GI Bill? That worked pretty well. <laughs> yeah, you, well, yeah. That, you could right. say or that you know, the economy in the like, U.S. in the yeah. 60s. Yeah, I, yeah, no, and and I think part of the reason our country is falling behind a little bit is because whether there's a level of truth to it or not, there's become this like uh, feeling that half the country has that colleges are anti-American, right? And they're indoctrinating people, and it's becoming a skepticism and a suspicion of advanced learning, mm-hmm. where you know in in China and Asia. And stuff. They're just pumping kids through school, getting them as schooled up as possible, and I think that's why they're outperforming us in some STEM areas. Mm-hmm. But it, stuff like this scares me, and I feel like Pete Hegseth doesn't do enough to play fair. And I'm not saying that the other networks play fair either. Right. But watching, right. you know, like, so I. So what do you think about that? I'm trying to. Well. Here, here's the problem, and, and Sam, if you were listening to the whole show, I, I don't like the fact that I do reach out to people like Governor Walls and Amy Klobuchar and all these people, and they don't even respond. I, I asked to have them on the show because I would like to get everybody's side of, of these stories, uh, but they mm-hmm. don't even respond when I ask them to be on the show. So I don't know what I can possibly do about that. You know, I'd love to have these people well, so on. Well, I'm not even talking about your show. I'm just saying when it, it frustrates me when Pete Hegseth comes on and and you're right, you're trying to give a full voice and it'd yeah, be sweet yep. if Tim Walls did come on because he seems like it. a funny, great guy. He seems like it, yeah. I have no idea if he, if he is or not. 
No, I understand that he probably uh, but, is. I know Amy Klobuchar is a very nice person. I don't know her, but I know I have friends that are friends of hers, and they think the world of her. They they think she's a great person. So, yeah, I would love to have Amy. according to the people who worked in their office. <laughs> well, there is that, Sam. You're, yeah, you're right about that, Sam. Sam, here's what I like about this. Uh, and you'll notice the same situation with you. A lot of hosts would have gone after you for saying that I said that I called it Pocahontas, which I didn't. But I don't do that. You're nice enough to call in. I want to hear what you have to say. And I would invite everybody to call in. And I'd love to hear what they say. So, Sam, if you thought I said that, uh, I'm sorry you got that impression because I didn't say that. Um, I don't know who may No, have... I, I, and you, I appreciate that. And no, I don't no want to, uh, you know, like accuse you or anything. And it's awesome that this has been you know i doubt it would be this long on the radio because you know it's i feel like way more people are listening you'll be fine but it's Don't been worry fun to have this conversation well call in anytime sam so i'd love you. to talk to you about all of these things i'd love your take say maybe i could have you on instead of governor walls and Amy Klobuchar. i, I was gonna you say you know if i have to be the one to call in once a month and provide a democratic perspective from somebody in their mid-20s who is it crazy, but believes like the government can still help people? Well, let's not uh, let's I'm not qualify as being not crazy. You might be crazy, <laughs> Sam. I mean, let's be honest. Well, uh, I don't think I seem crazy yet. Do I? <laughs> Sam, seriously, call into the morning show. I would love to have you on the morning show. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because it's just the distortion uh, is yep, too much. But yep, so yep. back to the original anti-Semitism point. How is George Soros different from the Koch brothers? Except I hate them all. That is so anti-Semitic, the and the way that he's portrayed, and the Koch brothers aren't, are, is anti-Semitism. The illustrations, the cartoons, the way he's vilified—he's uh-huh. just more big money. Yeah, he is big money. You're absolutely right. But I've made it very clear on the show, Sam, that I'm not a big fan of of uh, you know either side, the extreme right or the extreme left. I am pretty much a centrist. Right. I, tend, I tend to lean a little uh, left because my mother was an ardent dem- Democrat, and I love my mother. I try to get everybody's viewpoint. I don't attack my guests. I don't go. I don't think you've ever heard me attack one of my guests, have you? No. I mean, it's usually just, just laughing and fun. I just Yeah, that's what I do. So, Sam, please do call it. Call this show and call that show because I'd love to. You seem like a pretty smart guy for a friend of Steve Hunting's. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> he goes, well, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Sam Du, call in, would you please? Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. A couple points there. Uh, if you oh, absolutely. To, you know, one of which is, I meant to say something, you know, uh, with all due respect, gypsies, we got to be careful about that term because that was a derogatory term, you know, gyp, right? Like yeah. Roma, Roma people, I guess, is the, what we use in Go back to the days of the Holocaust. First, it was the disabled in Germany. They yeah, were the first right. people that were that's right. upon whom they used poison gas. Mm-hmm. And then the Roma, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Jews, the homosexuals, priests, and the like. So, mm-hmm. careful because the just remember the Roma people were also targeted. I for, can't call my wife a gypsy. You can do whatever you want in the privacy of your home. I'm just not uh, on the air. <laughs> we won't do it on the air. We'll just anymore. be a little careful. And yes, I agree with Sam. Pocahontas is a terrible appellation, a terrible thing to call a person. So, I, you know, it's part of the, the broader question. Can't we just treat each other with respect and on the merits? And on the merits, by the way. 
I agree with Sam, by the way, that the, the, the right tends to get very violent, whereas the, the left tends to just... It's true. Can't just, be denied. They literally try to destroy your life, though. I mean, the fact we talked about this earlier, Adrian, uh, the Star Tribune decided they didn't like me about 15 years ago, called me racist and anti-Semite. Well, they never called me anti-Semite. They never did that. Racist, homophobic, and sexist. It's just insane. The whole is. Would you bring his mic? Are you going to hold that mic like that all the entire hour? I am. They called you all that. that do you hear that feedback in there? Yes. We're good. Yeah, it's coming. All right. We'll get it all set. Um, the racist part I agree with. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. That's really a great idea. Yeah, there's no question. Matter of fact, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Adrian. Steve, you can stay for another segment? Sure, if you want me to. I'll be terrific. Okay. Adrian's going to be doing a show. We're going to give away some tickets. We're going to do all kinds of stuff. It'll be great. We'll be right back in just a few minutes with the family. 